What is up, futurists? Your host, Michael Zakond here, coming to you live from my childhood bedroom and headquarters of our future, a next-gen media startup creating aspirational content for young professionals. And it all started with this podcast, where you will learn from the best in business in short, entertaining episodes packed full of career advice and intelligent industry insights. Every Sunday, we deliver the Our Future newsletter, where we profile our guests and flesh out their business insights even further, as well as share career resources and knowledge from other young professionals. If you want the full futurist experience, subscribe to our exciting ecosystem at OurFutureHQ.com. And we are really trying to boost our reviews on Apple Podcasts, so we would love it if you tapped us out a quick review. My next guest is Anastasia Majinkalda, head of production at LinkedIn Creative Studio, which for those who don't know, is the platform's internal ad agency. Anastasia has had an incredible career in the world of marketing, executing campaigns for clients like Gatorade, Target, Lexus, Coke, and Virgin America, in addition to doing visual effects production on music videos for artists like Kanye West and movies like Spider-Man, One of her all-time favorite projects was working with BMW in the the first ever web film series. As a BMW fanatic, I've always loved those videos, so make sure to check them out on YouTube. In today's episode, we chat about what goes on at LinkedIn Creative Studio, the highly unique nature of LinkedIn as a social media platform, and some of the keys when working on creative projects with huge clients. Hope you guys enjoy. What do you do at, at LinkedIn Creative Studio? What is what is LinkedIn chefing up in, ter- in terms of content? What are you working on? Yeah, so um, the Creative Studio within LinkedIn, it would be basically what you consider being like the in-house brand studio ad agency within LinkedIn. We're really creating original content, like brand work for LinkedIn. So okay. if you were to see... We would put out like an advertising campaign that might be a national television commercials that you would see with the media buy on television, along with a large out of home campaign like billboards, bus shelters, all of that bus wraps and then, you know, online and social um, extensions off of that work. So we are um, a small studio. We're only about 30 people um, on staff and we bring in contractors on an as needed basis based on like subject matter expert right. needs. Um, so we um, we basically work closely with all the brand marketers across all of our different business units within LinkedIn to create advertising campaigns. We, we brief and concept and come up with ideas and then we execute on them. Usually it's, um, you know, pretty large integrated brand campaigns, but we also will work on, uh, you know, product launches, you know, additional pieces such as that. Um, and we're set up with, um, teams like the way a a team at within the creative studio would be set up would be, um, a creative director along with a team of an art director and a copywriter and Mm -hmm. a producer. And then we would work with an account supervisor on our team who would be our liaison with our, with our business partners to, you know, sort of figure out what, what we're going to solve for them as a business need and then how we're going to concept and execute on it. And LinkedIn is, is really, I feel like it's really blown up. Like it, it's huge. It, it's an awesome platform. It's where I find my biggest audience and my biggest engagement and my highest click-through rates for my content being a business podcaster. Everybody across this planet is dealing with this pandemic and it just creates this common ground to be able to expand your professional network, talk about issues that your business is facing. I think this is a unique moment in history 
wherein professional connect, like it is the best time to expand your professional network. No, it's great. It hasn't been that long since we've even added like the video component. You think you can't even remember what it was like before video and it hasn't even been that long. And LinkedIn live, like take a few pages out of like TikTok or maybe Instagram's playbook. Like look Mm -hmm. at how they're expanding the way that creators can put their stuff out there. And what's interesting to me is we're seeing all these like LinkedIn influencers, you know, joining all these likes and engagements on their post. I'd like to think I'm doing decently well, but the tools available are really expanding to like you can create an audience and a following on LinkedIn now. Definitely. And I think the difference with LinkedIn too, I I think people have lost some trust with some of the other platforms along the way. And there's um, some negativity sort of associated with what some of those brands are doing. But with LinkedIn, I think one of our number one priorities is customer, you know, and members first and trust is one of our number one priorities. So I feel like people also can experience a very safe environment. And it's not the place where you're going to post like your dance video, maybe occasionally, but, but yes. to go to a place where you know, you're going to see something stuff that you're going to learn something. It's interesting. Yeah. You're going to be intrigued by something. You're going to want to share something. Um, and it's not just la- like, it's not just pure entertainment. It's, it's really a learning platform as well. And also mm-hmm. just having that sense of safety, I think really, um, empowers people to feel, um, that they, they trust the platform and feel safe and they feel that they can be their authentic yeah, and you, professional selves. You, you raise a great point point there about this, the safety of the platform. Look at Twitter. Like it's so toxic. Like look at yeah. some of these other platforms. You know, what's interesting in the professional world, like it's so hard to be critical. It is so hard to be negative. Um, you know, we kind of just have a culture in, in the U S especially of like, just trying to be really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And on LinkedIn, like that's actually a positive as a social network because you don't see people putting each other down. No. The, the most you'll see is some passive aggressiveness to someone, you know, putting out, you know, some post or something, right? But you're never going to see, you know, swear words or rudeness or mm-hmm. crudely worded yeah. responses. I've never thought about how much of an advantage that is for LinkedIn to exist within the professional world. Yes. So, so Anastasia, when, when you were my age, when, when you were 20, did, did you have this uh, love already for content, creating content and doing creative? Is that something that was on your mind already, you think? Yeah, I mean, I think when I was your age, let me think, I was in college in New York. And I, um, I think at that time, I definitely content was my number one priority. I did major in cultural anthropology and photography. And I did take a lot of film courses as well. But, you know, sort of with my eye on the idea of being a a journalist, perhaps, and a bit of a, you know, that dream of the National Geographic photojournalist, you know. I've heard that a few times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's every, you know, young content creator's dream. Um, I studied under a very amazing photographer named Joel Sternfeld in New York, and he's a very well-known amazing photography. Mm-hmm. If you have time to look him up, his work is just mind blowing. So that was my goal out of college. You know, really, I wanted to work in photography. And that's what I did do in New York when I first got out of school. But um, I just pivoted into the commercial production world after I was working in photography for a while. And I met somebody who was opening a production company. And you know, the skill sets were similar producing for but a video content this time. Yes, yes. And very much commercially focused, which was not right. so much what I was working in. So um so I, you know, it, things like that happen where some like an unexpected opportunity comes up that mm-hmm. makes me think, I didn't even realize this 
this was a job, you know, back then, like making TV commercials. Yeah. It just, I knew people did it, but I didn't think of the, you know, being a photographer and photography producer making and pivoting into that. It was back in the early nineties where, um, I ended up working on a lot of work for Viacom, like Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, and along with a lot of television. Wow. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Working with those huge brands. What did it take you a while to get about doing TV commercials? Like you got thrust into that world pretty young, but yeah. What did, like, what did you think that it took a while for you to actually master in doing messaging for huge brands? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest problem for me, the biggest struggle for me at that time in my life was, you know, I didn't go to, I didn't study communications. I didn't, I was much more in the creative side of things and, and, uh, look much more in fine art world. And so for me, I think that the greatest challenge, but it was a great opportunity as well was, um, strategy. I never really studied strategy and, and, in a, especially under with the communications lens. So I found myself being in a very executionary role. Like we're going to make these commercials and I'm going to tick all the boxes of all the steps to get there from, you know, um, the brief to casting to production. And I, I could create these amazing live action productions and amazing commercials and even music videos and such. But then where I struggled was like, what's the strategy behind this idea? Mm-hmm. And what is the business problem to solve here? Um, and that's just having not studied communications. I, I, that was the big hole in my education right. because most of the people I was sort of thrown in with at that stage in my life um, went into advertising, having studied that. And that was their original yes. goal. And so for me, it was a massive learning curve. It still is. I mean, I still spend a lot of my time at age 50 now Um having been doing this for a long time, really wrapping my head around the strategy and trying to backpedal often to say, Oh wait, what's the business yeah. need? What are we solving? What's what do you like more? What do you like more? Do you like thinking about the strategy more? I think some people would say that, but, or mm-hmm. some really creative people would like to be on the production side more. Like what do you like spending your time on more? I mean, I love production. I love creating and making things, but, but if you don't, fully understand the strategy, it's much harder to execute good creative. So I, so I think they really work hand in hand together. And so I I do think that's been my greatest learning curve. And I think a lot of the creative directors I work with have had that same struggle, especially people who Mm. have really come from the creative side of things and kind of miss that uh, communication strategy training. Um, But, but I think once you, once you learn to like, not step forward too quickly and think about the big picture, um, then the creative is always much stronger. Yeah, definitely. And you've worked with on so many different, you know, uh, on so many different production teams and projects and with so many different companies and even artists like, like Kanye West. But when we watch the videos that you've produced, um, that we watch the videos that people and creative and marketing put out there, like what on the visual effect, like what are visual effects? Like what is, what what is added? What is the magic that gets added that we don't even realize is getting thrown into the mix? Yeah, well, I mean it's very different depending back in the day when I worked much more heavily in visual effects, where I'd work on TV commercials and music videos and um, even feature film shots, um, where the visual effects were much more an integral part of what we were working on. I mean, if you look back at some of those crazy videos I worked on in the '90s with like 
you know, in sync or somebody like it, that was just all visual effects. It was, okay. you know, they're just like dancing and singing in front of green, green screens. And we created everything in post. And, and we even had an interesting story on one of those videos where one of the, um, members of NSYNC had um, hurt his leg, so couldn't dance. So we actually had a, a stand-in dancer, and then we did head replacement on him for the no whole way. Week. And yep. that was in the 90s, and now, yeah. now you think that that's only possible now. Wow. Yeah, no, and it was hard. It was very hard back then. Um, but it, I mean, it would be much easier now. It would still be difficult. But things like that, um, nowadays in the, in the commercial work that I do, the visual effects are usually much more... Um, invisible you know it's usually like either a ui sort of animated ui of screens or yeah. or um compositing of background elements or, or or clean up or you know removing things in the background you know it's much more invisible kind of work as opposed to right. the visual effects being really tied in with the um with the uh creative i think one of the biggest visual effects um uh projects that I worked on was years, years ago, which was the BMW films, which was, when- I, I was going to bring that up. I mean, those are some of my, as a, as a BMW owner and my dad owning all the M5s growing up. Oh, how cool. Yeah. The, the Clive Owen commercials, those are our favorite. I mean, well, that was, was so yeah. sick. Okay. It was so fun. And, and when we were making those, I got to say the reason it was one of my favorite things to ever work on is it was a first for so many things like nobody no brand had ever really done long form like that what yeah so, what company was doing that it was the ad age right exactly so bmw was very brave and the ad agency was fallon in minneapolis and i think what was interesting is nobody even knew how we were going to do it right it's like how that's when people were still on dial-up like how is somebody going to watch a film this long and in the end you know we actually you would go to the site and then if you couldn't you would do dial up and it would be all jiggy jack and then you would click a box to order the dvd like and we would literally mail the dvd so because it was before people could even consume video them on their own devices it was real, and so it was really i remember being in meetings and meetings and meetings in los angeles for hours just figuring out like how are we gonna do this and doing tests and internet like connectivity tests and you know and then we ended up making thousands and thousands of dvds to send to people so it was such an interesting project because it was such a first there and then the other first that was really interesting it was it was one of clive owens um first projects ever so it really put him on the map as an actor yeah, it too, did. which was pretty exciting yeah and, it was um and the plot and amazing and dave that. fincher directed those as well well, um, there were different, Dave Fincher was like one of the lead directors who oversaw the project, but then different directors directed each film. So the first one with Clive Owen that I worked on, that was actually John Frankenheimer, who is a phenomenal director, mm-hmm. but he, um, we were actually about working about to engage in another project with him after BMW films. And he unfortunately um, passed away during that, that second project. Um, but different, different um, people, uh, like Guy Ritchie directed one of, Guy you know, Ritchie, a different yeah. director for each of them. That was the one with Madonna at the time. But the Madonna were- one is, if anyone hasn't seen the Madonna BMW uh, commercial with the, the BMW M5, you have to watch it. It's super entertaining and it's on YouTube now. Thank God that it can live on past DVD. You know, form. Isn't it amazing that back then you couldn't even watch a full yeah. one. You'd have to like, and it would take hours to download and then you'd be on dial up trying to watch it. And so it was, it was crazy that we actually were shipping DVDs to think about that. Now it's, it's amazing. What, what is your advice to a young person who is interested in creative? Um, and then 
your career advice to, you know, just any student out there going out into the world right now? Like, what would you kind of advise them to do? Um, I think, I mean, one of my number one pieces of recommendation has always been um, about connection. And it's ironic now that I work at LinkedIn, which is all about <laughs> connections. But one of the things that I've always done throughout my life is I've always made tons of connections, even before social platforms. But I, I've just always, you know, I, I started my career in New York City. Then I moved to San Francisco. I worked between San Francisco and L.A. back and forth. And I just got to know a whole lot of people. And I and so I always had somebody to reach out to for advice. I always had somebody to mentor me um, whenever I was struggling or ha needed some guidance. And I... I could always reach out to someone for a recommendation or anything like that. And I think the more connections you have and the more people you get to know, the more opportunities there are for you. And in terms of creative, I think it's just people aren't always going to believe in your vision, but as long as you believe in it, um, that's the most important thing, right? And to, to, to stand by it stand and by it. Not, not let other people um, break you down because it'll happen, you know, especially in the creative realm, people like to, to, you know, find fault in creative ideas. So I think it's really important to, um, to stand strong on your, on your creative. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Anastasia Majinkalda, head of production at LinkedIn Creative Studio. If you really enjoyed the interview today, we have done 56 of them now. So check out some of the amazing business brains we have picked since this podcast launched in May. And as always, an absolute pleasure potting with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I'm about to go take a midterm. So if you're staying frosty, I will too. <laughs>